three years. It's good to see all these kids. I tell you what, I love children. Thankful for them. The Bible says what? Suffer not the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. Praise God. Well, again, I am so thankful to be back in my own pulpit, as I mentioned last week. There's something about being in America. I know America's got its problems, but I tell you what, I miss my Walmarts. <laughs> I do miss my Walmarts, and I do miss um, fast food, as you can tell. Uh, the first thing I did, now they do have McDonald's there, but Brother Sam, you know about the kosher, they don't put the meat and the cheese together. So you kind of either eat the meat or you eat with the cheese. You can't have a cheeseburger. And so and one of the things I did as soon as I got to the airport, I found a non-kosher McDonald's and I had myself a cheeseburger. But I uh, had plenty of falafels. So I'm thankful to be back this week and preaching in my own uh, pulpit. Thank you for you folks. I really am thankful for everyone here. Thankful for what God has done in your life, and I continue to praise the Lord uh, that He continues to work in your life. Um, the title of my message today is "Sin Lieth at the Door." Sin lieth at the door. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter four and verse one. I, as I was researching last week's message, I came across this passage, and it just struck me. Uh, I realized that the the sin of bitterness is always there, present. It's always an ability to get in your life and wreck things up. The uh, Bible even tells us not to give place to the devil because of bitterness. But this uh, example of Cain was just something I could not uh, let go of. Uh, Cain had some serious issues with his brother Abel. And instead of dealing with the issues the way God wanted him to deal with them, he instead took it out on, uh, instead of dealing with his sin the way that God wanted to deal with his sin, he took it out on Abel and uh, caused uh, himself pain and despair for the rest of his life. We turn to Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And Adam, and Eve, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Cabal and to his offerings. But unto Cain and to his offerings he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? That if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and he came past that they were in the field, and Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. The Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he says, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened the, her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand? When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punish, punishment is greater than I can bear. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful to today, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, forgive me where I failed you in this area. Lord, I pray that I would have a spirit of sweetness and kindness and love towards others. Lord, help me not to allow for sin to continue, as it says in Romans 6, 1 and 2. But Lord, instead I would live for you and with the spirit that you want me to have. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I read this passage and that phrase, sin lieth at the door, was a, a kind of a kind of an eye-opener for me. You know, sometimes we as Christians get wrapped up in the thought that, well, you know, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, I don't have any serious problems. Uh, I, I'm, I'm coming to church on Sundays. I'm, I'm being faithful. But there is always the chance for Satan to take advantage of us. There's always a chance for Satan to do something with our lives that we don't want. And sin is always at the door. He's always trying to knock. He's always trying to find a place in our lives. And I, I, I come to this conclusion in my own life that the, the best thing, a solution that any Christian can have is a close walk with Jesus Christ. I mean, I know myself personally that when I don't have a walk with Christ, I become to be dependent upon myself and my flesh and my attitudes and my actions. And it comes out in how I treat others. Uh, I, I can literally say that my children uh, suffer when I'm not walking with the Lord. My wife suffers when I'm not walking with the Lord. My people in my church suffer when I'm not walking with the Lord. Um, bitterness is one of those things, or the curse of bitterness, um, that comes with it. I, I, I think about this passage, and, and as I know that Adam and Eve, they had dealt with sin, and it was very prevalent. They, and you think about what happened. Can somebody, let's just kind of do for a refresher, what was the effects of the sin of of their sin while they were in the garden. Someone, talk, someone give me some ideas. This is an open forum. Anybody can answer this. What were some of the effects of sin? Anybody remember? If you don't, someone said something. Death. Death? Okay, that's one of them. What's another one? Leave the garden. They had a cursed environment, right? Uh, what was another one? Let me go back to one. What kind of death? Let's clarify that. And? Yes. Okay, so we got both of those. All right, there was a spiritual death. There was a physical death. Uh, they would be cursed. The, the ground would be cursed, which is kind of along the lines of, of, uh, of a cursed environment. Anything else? Right, right, right. All right, anything else? There's a spiritual application to it. Okay. Okay. How about shame and nakedness? Okay. When they came out, they what? They sewed fig leaves together because they were ashamed of their nakedness. I, I want to stop there just for a second. I want to say, listen to me. Modesty is lost in our society today. It is lost. And I say that I understand that styles come and go. I remember uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Auger was telling me, that during the 70s and 80s that mini skirts were really prevalent. And he was just hoping that stuff would go. But you know what? Immodesty is an important part. I'm not, this is not a whole about the entire message. But I want you to understand that nakedness was shameful in the garden. Why was it shameful? Well, because literally God was showing to them the ability that he was going to clothe them with his righteousness. No longer would they have to worry. Let's, let's look at a couple verses here. Turn your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 4. They were ashamed of their nakedness, and it all started with the beginning of sin. And if you think about this idea of, of clothing, and it was interesting. I was telling the brother Sam this morning about um, uh, in Israel, when you go to Israel, 
Some of them wear the traditional garb. Uh, very, uh, not a lot of bright colors, very black. Uh, and I'm not saying that's how you should dress. <laughs> I appreciate when uh, people dress with bright colors. But there was a sense of understanding of the idea of how we should dress. And we find here this idea in Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 4. The idea of spirituality and our dress are important. And the Bible says, And he answered them and spake unto them that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee, clothe thee with the change of raiment. And I said, Let them be set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. So we find here that God exchanged their garments. No longer was the filthy garment. God gave them a white new garment. And then you turn to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. The Bible says, And he that overcometh the shame shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. One of the things that Adam and Eve had to confront was their own nakedness. They were ashamed, they were ashamed of it. There was something that was to be said as soon as they uh, were given that. And God gave them the opportunity to take a, uh, a, a lamb. And that lamb was to cover, uh, after they had slain the lamb, that lamb was to cover them as clothing. There was another thing that we find also that there was uh, not only a physical death, but there was also a loss or a separation from God. The Bible says very clearly that in, in the read the first parts of Genesis, you find that they literally no longer had that same sweet communion with God like they had before. And listen, every Christian here, no longer do we have to go through a, a mediator like a high priest. We have a high priest. And who is that? Jesus Christ. We go to him and we confess our sins to him. We talk to him and we love him. Listen to me as we think about the garden, we realize that because of their sin, they were what? Separated from God. They lost some of that sweet communion. Not only did they have a cursed environment, but they also had a loss of righteousness. If you think about the second that they were born, well, they were uh, created into this world, that literally they were righteous. They had no sin. Eve decided to take a bite of that fruit, whatever it was. And because of that, she made a whole race become sinful. Jesus Christ came to take away that sin, thankful. But they knew what the effects of sin was. You don't think that, that Adam and Eve told Cain and Abel, listen, because of all this, because your mama and I decided to eat of that fruit, we now no longer have that sweet, sweet communion with the Lord. No longer do we have the ability uh, to be able to have a garden like we had at the Garden of Eve. No longer do we have uh, the ability to walk around freely with the innocency. We now have to put on clothes. There was a sense of understanding there with Adam and Eve. And I'm sure that they gave it to Cain and Abel and they put some respect. Or we like to say today, they put the fear of God in I'm sure because if you see Abel, Abel understood it. And even came to a point understood that he had to sacrifice to God. He had to spend time giving to him. And he had to spend time giving those sacrifices. This morning we talked about the idea that obedience is better than sacrifice. 
We know the story of King Saul. King Saul, what did he do? He went off and God says, you need to kill all the Amalekites and you need to take care of, kill all of their cattle. You need to destroy the entire land. What did he do? He brought back the king of the Amalekites. He committed what? Partial obedience. He was in rebellion against God. And that's exactly what was going on with Cain. Cain had this spirit that says, I am the only one that knows what's right. And I want to do my own righteousness. I want to have my own righteousness. And God says, that's not enough. You must take on Jesus Christ's righteousness. And we find here, Cain, some people say, well, wait a minute, pastor. Didn't Cain not have the law? Didn't Cain get taught not didn't know uh, God's law? Well, you find there's actually some very interesting passages that kind of deal with almost all of the Ten Commandments. Now, if you look at the idea in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, God is the creator, therefore all, all other gods are, do not exist. God says there's no idols or images, and same thing in uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, God made man in his own image. Taking God's name in vain, or God's name, a power name and display in his creations, and use his name to malign his character and power? I think there was a lot of things that Cain knew before he came to this understanding of wanting to kill his brother Abel. He knew that there was a problem, even to the point where the Bible says, be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say, don't uh, uh, <laughs> subtract. He says, be fruitful and multiply. He had to know that murder was wrong. And he knew that that heart that he had inside of him was wrong. And nobody had ever been murdered before. But here we find the first murder. We can find that Cain had been taught all these principles of God. Probably through his mama and daddy. The Bible even says that the law of God is written upon our hearts. You say, Pastor, what about those people in deepest, darkest Africa? How will they ever know the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's written right here. We know that Jesus Christ can convict, the Holy Spirit convict no matter where we are. Cain was allowing his sacrifice or his walk with God to get in the way of how he felt about others. This was supposed to be a blood sacrifice. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Blood sacrifices were meant as a picture of of how God would cover our sin. And it was going to cover their sin. We find in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. That almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. You know God had given Adam and Eve a law to keep. And he knew that Adam and Eve were sinners, and they knew that Jesus Christ would have to come. He gave the very promise that it would what? Bruise the serpent's head. God knew that they were sinners. But he says, hey, I've got a way forward for you. I've got the ability to understand salvation. I've got the ability to get you out of this predicament that you put yourself in. Of course, that was Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But here's Cain and Abel. Cain is so set up in his own ways and he has decided that he is no longer going to follow God's plan. He's no longer going to follow God's purpose. And there was sacrifices that used grain. There was Thanksgiving offerings that used grain and vegetables. 
But for the act, sacrifice of sin, there always had to be blood. That lamb, that precious lamb, that pure lamb was to be slain. His head or his, his uh, neck was to be slit. The blood was to be drawn. And it was to what? Signify what Christ was going to do for our sins many, many years later. Cain didn't want to do that, though. He looked at his own righteousness. He looked at the fruit of his hands. And he says, this is what I have to offer God. This is what I'm going to give to God. And many people in the world today say, I can give God what I want to give to God. Some people say, well, you know what? I'm going to go to church, so that's good enough for God. Ah, uh, Some people say, Pastor, I, I give to the church. That's good enough for God. Some people say, you know what? Uh, I don't swear or I don't cheat on my wife or, or I don't commit uh, uh, adultery. I don't do any of those things. That's good enough for God. Don't get me wrong. Those things are good. But the truth is, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Preached on it last week on self-righteousness. The truth is, is that we are sinners. And, and no matter what we can do, as it says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. Your own righteousness is not good enough. You're, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I can get to heaven by myself. I don't need Jesus Christ. I don't need to be saved. I can do this all by myself. You're no different than Cain. As Cain... Uh, harvest those grains and harvest that fruit. What did he do? He says, God, this is good enough. And he threw it on the altar. Now, was God happy with it? No. Go back to our text in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says in, in verse uh, 4, verse 9, let's go back a little bit. In verse 7, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? What was he saying? He says, if you just do what I've asked you to do, will I not accept you? Listen, today Jesus Christ has promised us his word through his word that we can know him. That we don't need our own righteousness. That we don't need our own goodness to be able to come to him. But many people today say, well, I want that righteousness. I want to be able to say that I did it. You're going to be like in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Some of you think you'll get to heaven, you'll stand before God and say, God, look what I did. Look at my goodness. Look how good I've been. And Jesus, God's going to look at you and says, what about Jesus Christ? What did he do? You say, Pastor, what's the difference between most people who call themselves Christians and people that are true, real Christians, they don't look to themselves. They look to Christ. He is the author and finisher of their faith. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I know I'm struggling with this idea of salvation. You're no different than Cain. Cain has a philosophy that says, I can do it all by myself. I need no help. A little boy, Nolan, I gave this illustration last week. He, he's so into dressing himself now. Of course, he comes out and he's got the mismatched pants on. He's got the uh, jogger inside out. He's got two different pairs of shoes on his feet. Oh, he's cute. And he thinks that he can dress himself, but in really reality, he can't. 
He's learning to do some things that he never has done before, and he wants to do it himself. No, no, sisters, sisters can't help him. No, mom can't help him. Dad can't help him. He can do it. The truth is, many people today say, I can do it. I don't need Jesus Christ. And they wonder why their life is topsy-turvy, why they have no hope. It's because they've put their faith in the wrong thing. Their faith is not in Christ. Today, if you're not saved here today, I ask you, please, come talk to us. Know Jesus Christ today before it's too late. For those that are saved in here, I'm going to give you something else. I think what uh, Cain's biggest problem was a sense of bitterness. Cain knew that his brother had gotten these, uh, these, these uh, animals from his fruits. When he saw that God had accepted his sacrifice, instead of questioning God, why are you allowing him to be able to have this? He instead got bitter at his brother. You have a desire, and listen to me, there's, there's many effects from bitterness, and one of those effects is hatred towards others. We have a society today that has been, I saw just recently of uh, the police that um, killed that young man in Memphis. Saddened me, it really did. I, I just can't imagine bringing myself to have so much hatred in my heart it might have been adrenaline. I don't know what it is. I wasn't those police officers. But I'll tell you this much, that hatred causes some pretty ill effects on people. I went through the Holocaust Museum in Israel. It was saddened. One of the things that really stuck out in my mind was the little boy. They had a video of a little boy and little girl. So hungry. They looked like little skeletons. And they were just sitting on the street corners crying out. Of course, it was a silent video. I don't know what they were crying, but you could tell they were in pain. They were in hunger. What caused those little boys and little girls to cry out in hunger and pain? It was because of some hatred of some men that hatred hated the Jews. Hatred is an awful thing. Listen, you have, as a Christian, you have a choice to either hate or love. It doesn't mean you excuse sin, but you work to help the sinner. And I see so much of this in Christian churches and even the church that I grew up with. People are willing to talk bad about others. Oh, did you see what they were wearing? Did you see what was going on there? Oh, did you see that person cursed over there? Did you see that person went out and smoked? But not once, those same people that were so critical were willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Listen, as a Christian, listen, there has to be a love for others. Listen, you grow in your bitterness, your anger, your pride, and you think that you can get away with it. Listen to me, it's going to cause some strife. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. Listen. There are all kinds of sinners out there. And listen to me. They are just waiting for someone to come to show them how that they can be freed from their sin. Hatred brings you to that point. Listen, Christ knew of Nicodemus' sin, didn't he? Didn't stop him from spending time with him, did he? He went to his house and showed him the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
When's the last time that you had a spirit of love towards another human being that is not saved? When's the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? When's the last time you had love in your heart? Many times, even though we might not have hatred, sometimes we just have a diff indifference towards the people that are around us. We go to gas stations. We go to retail establish establishments. We talk to people on a daily basis, co-workers. Yet not one of us, not one of them might not even know that you're a Christian or that you love Christ. The effects of bitterness will make you hate others. As long as you have that type of spirit. Why do you think we see such racial division in today's society? It's because the love of Christ is not brought, made abroad in people's hearts. Why do you think we see so many people uh, wrapped into their own devices and their own desires? I saw the other day where a, a video of some young people were fighting on a bus. I think it was a 14-year-old boy was beating on a 9-year-old girl. What do you think was happening on that bus? Do you think some kids got up and said, you've got to stop that? Was there a stopping of that, that, that problem? No. They were just videoing. You say, why is that? Because there is no love. See, the opposite of love is what? Hate. We love Jesus Christ because he what? First loved us. You want to see people reach for Christ, you need to start with that understanding. You need love. You say, Pastor, are you getting all bushy on us? No. What I'm saying is, the love for others will drive you to be that person you need to be. Because you know someone else loves you. Jesus Christ loved you. And that love is spread abroad in your heart. And you're able to reach others for Jesus Christ. Cain didn't have that spirit. He All he could think about was his hatred toward his brother. He knew what God had told him to do. But yet he says, I have nothing but hatred. He went as far as to kill him. I would say that most people here would say... Pastor, I wouldn't want to kill anyone. It is a different mindset for someone to be in that situation. But the Bible says that if you don't, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've already committed murder. Where is your spirit today? Do you have a love for others? Or there's nothing but bitterness? Maybe your neighbor drives you nuts. Maybe the people in traffic drive you crazy. Maybe your situation is at a school place and maybe the people that you go to school with treat you wrong and they, they make you angry at them and you get hatred in your heart towards them. Listen to me. God wants you to have that love. Now I'm going to point out here for a second. Listen to me. I'm not talking about us excusing sin. Listen, if someone is, you don't condone it. You don't love it. But you say, I want to do something to help them. Giving that love. I loved uh, uh, Paul. What did he do when he was before King Agrippa? Did he get angry? Did he get mad that he was being presented before this person? He instead wanted to show, he had so much love, he wanted to show them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where's your love at? I think the second effect of bitterness makes you blind towards your own sin. See, Cain could not see that he was wrong because he was so jealous of Abel. Many Christians deal with that idea of sin and they know it's wrong, but they'd rather be critical of someone else. 
Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 6 and verse 41. Again, I am not saying you condone sin. If there is known sin and someone's committing sin, you should say something to them. Say, this is wrong. Just like those young people that were on the bus. Instead of videoing, what should they have done? Got up and said, you're wrong. And stopped it. But listen, Christian. We have a responsibility to look at our own lives too. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 41, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote in thine, thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam in that, that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Many Christians, they want to be the first to criticize someone else. And listen, I, I've been on the receiving end, and I've also been the, the criticizer. I've had to ask God to forgive me for that. Many times, people get plenty of critical feedback. The problem is, is they don't ever get it with love. How many times has a Christian looked at someone else and was critical of them and didn't think, how can I help them? How can I encourage them? The Bible says, look thou not on your own things, but on the things of others. Your first and primary goal is saying, how can I bring them closer to Christ? Now, sometimes the Bible is very clear about that. Even when it's in the Bible, it talks about the church. If someone's living wrong and they don't repent, the Bible says to give them over to who? The devil. And they, they let the devil deal with them. But that is showing the love that Christ wants you to show. As a Christian, listen to me, we would be more effective in our service to God and more effective in outreach to others if we had the right type of love and not hatred towards others. I think the third problem or effect of bitterness is it opens you up to other sins. Cain's bitterness caused him to murder his brother. If Cain would have accepted God's law as he said, Cain would not have become the pariah of the land. Every Christian who allows bitterness to continue opens up a Pandora's box of problems. You say, Pastor, how does that apply to me? Turn your Bible to John, James chapter 1 and verse 14. We know that the problem with Cain was... was not paying attention to himself. And because he was not paying attention to himself, he allowed for bitterness to sink in. And before long, he was what? Having hatred. And before long, he was what? Plotting to kill his brother. Christian, every person here can allow the same thing to happen in your life. Why do you think people become so cold to, the th to others? Why do you think people lose sight of what God has given them to do by being a soul winner? Because they lose that love. They see, and listen to me, I'm one of those people. Brother Tony, you, you don't know much about me, but before I hated Chicago. I, I was literally, I struggled. I remember sitting in traffic, just being mad and angry. And God has changed my heart. He's given me a love towards the people of Chicago and love for the people of Garfield Ridge. I remember when we used to live over there, not too far from you, brother. We lived on California and Archer. 
who lived on a little house not too far from Kelly High School. And I remember the kids were just awful. They'd throw stuff in the yard. And then on top of that, we had this bum that would come outside of our house and he would accost my wife every day for money. And he would do all kinds of things. And boy, I just, <sighs> you probably have seen those cartoon characters where they're about ready to explode. That was me. I was just losing it. There was smoke coming out of my ears. There was a nuclear explosion on top of my head. Every time I saw garbage in the yard, I wanted to get mad. Every time I saw this guy accosting my wife, I wanted to get mad. My neighbor, my upstairs neighbor, I don't know what he was doing. He come downstairs one day and decided he was going to try to kiss my wife. <laughs> I wanted to lose it with him. God, why have you put me in this place? This place is God forsaken. There's nobody here that loves God. And he was right. I was right. Because obviously I didn't love God either. I didn't have a love for the people there. This love of God was not spread abroad in my heart. And so all my spirit was anger and, and bitterness towards these folks that were causing me all kinds of, uh, 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 of, of pain. The truth be told, Christian, listen to me. I was the one that was wrong. These people were just following who they were told to follow. Their father, the devil. And my responsibility was not, do I was not doing my responsibility. I was serving self and not serving God. Remember, God, breaking my heart. Forgive me. Listen, Christian, today, God wants to change your heart. Listen, maybe you have that critical spirit. Maybe you've opened yourself up to bitterness. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Here we go in verse 15. Then we, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You want to see something interesting? When you start living according to what God wants you to do, there is life. But when you start serving sin and you start serving Satan and you start serving the things the devil, listen to me, it brings forth death. There's no love in your heart. There's nothing special happening with the people around you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, the Bible tells us, follow peace with all men and holiness with which out no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail, fall, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. If we're ever going to be a lighthouse in this community, Garfield Ridge, Riverside, Berwyn, uh, Burbank, we need to have the love of God in our heart. Listen, the world today is full of hate. That's all they are. There's no desire to love others. There's no desire to encourage others. They're all about themselves and what they can have. I remember I picked up, he was a, I think, Class A movie star. He played in a couple of famous um, television programs when I was working for Uber. It was interesting. I got to talking to him. and He says, I love Chicago. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, I love Chicago. He says, you go out to L.A.? And you walk into a bar and everybody wants to get a piece of you. What can you do for me? He says, you go to Chicago, it's different. Everybody just wants to be your friend. And I thought that's such an interesting example of what a Christian should do. I'm not saying you should walk into a bar. <laughs> but what I am saying is, is that your spirit should be one of, I love you. 
I want to encourage you. I want to help you. Listen, there are many people in this world in different types of walks of life, and including the church. People are on different roads in their spiritual journey. Listen to me. We're all on the same path. Some people are further behind than others. And you you got to say, hey, how can I encourage you to bring you further where you need to be? Christian, listen to me. We've got to leave this attitude of hatred. So here's some tools to avoid bitterness, and I'll be done. Number one, remember you are a sinner. Avoid a sense of self-righteousness. Don't forget, you were in that same position just like them. You were on your way to hell, and you deserved it. Number two, don't become easily offended. My favorite verse, Psalms 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Charity even tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, it says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. I want you to point out a couple things in that verse. The Bible says, Charity suffereth long. What does that mean? It means people are going to offend you. People are going to do things against you. Love them. Encourage them. I dare say that if it wasn't for the man that witnessed to my dad over and over and over again, that I would not be here today. Ron Frills, my dad got witnessed to over and over again. And my dad was so proud, he didn't want to accept that. He was a Lutheran, by goodness sakes. He was a deacon of the Lutheran church. He was a Sunday school teacher. Wasn't that good enough? But after being witnessed to over and over and over again, Ron Frills was able to show my dad how to be saved. Listen to me. If we're ever going to be effective Christians, we have to have a spirit of suffering long. Number three, seek peace with all men. I've got some verses here. Romans 12, 17 says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place, uh, good place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Psalms 34 verse 14 says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Every Christian here should have a desire to find peace. Listen, the world today, they don't have peace. And they see it in your face. They see it in your attitude. They see it in your actions. And they constantly are, when they see that, they're constantly putting up their hands and say, I don't want any part of that. Because they see it in the world today. Where's your peace with others? You go to the counter and the person gets your order wrong. What's your spirit? When you go uh, driving and you see the person cut you off, do you roll down the window and yell at them? Where are you at in your spirit of peace? Seek peace with all men. Here's a good one. Boy, Christians forget this one. Number four, learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. Mark eleven twenty five tells us, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Matthew 6, 15, but if he forgive them, 
Forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Luke 6.37, Judge not, and ye shall be not judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and it shall be forgiven you. Colossians 3.13, Forbearing one another, forgiving one another, even if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye. Listen, Christian, this is one of the hardest things to do. And listen, we are offended every day. We have people that I know of that grew up. And listen, there are some horrible offenses that happen. And I heard a story not too long ago, and I think I talked about it from the pulpit, of a young man that uh, had his, his sister or brother was killed accidentally by a police officer. It was interesting because the court case went to trial, and they gave the victim's family a chance to speak. And during that time, the young man stood up and says, I forgive you. He looked at the lady that had killed his, I don't remember if it's a brother or sister, and he says, I forgive you. It made waves across the news media. Why? Because the world doesn't understand that. They don't understand how something heinous, as horrible as murder, and yet that man was able to forgive. How could he do that? It was found out later the young man was a Christian. Listen, you're going to blow your neighbor's minds away when you forgive when they've done something stupid. We've recently been having a feud with the bar owner next door. <laughs> I've been trying to help him. He doesn't like me. I don't know if it's because there's been a past something about the we wouldn't let him put a bar sign up on the back. He wanted to put his liquor advertisements on his wall, and we wouldn't let him on the property to do it. That wasn't me. That was the pastor before me. And uh, well, he's, he's got a problem with this. And there's been a few times I was out there doing the parking lot. He didn't like the smell of the parking lot. So he told me I needed to quit. So I'm sorry. I can't do that, sir. Um, he got mad. And before long, he was, he was parking in front. The night that we had the big youth rally, he was parking his vehicle right in front of our driveway. They even had one of the people that were supposed to come come and says, I didn't know how to get in. There was no entrance into your driveway. I confronted him about it. Boy, he was mad. He was hot. He was giving me every reason. And I just smiled at him and I says, Jesus Christ loves you, sir. <laughs> he didn't know how to respond to that. But the spirit needs to be there. And listen to me. I think it needs to go a step further. Sometimes you just got to show people love even though they don't deserve it. Christian, listen to me. If you're going to have the right spirit, if you're not going to have bitterness, you're going to learn to forgive people. I, I've told this story before. I think it's important to tell it again. I remember driving downtown Chicago, and you all know how traffic can be around River North neighborhood. And I was driving, and this guy was driving like he was, his, uh, his car was on fire. I mean, he was just driving crazy. He zipped around me and almost hit the front of my vehicle. And I, of course, very uh, uh, ill-tempered person, and I got mad. What is he doing? What's his problem? And I looked over and saw him. There was tears streaming down his eyes. He was crying. And God broke my heart. I said, Harold, are you callous? Did you realize 
realize that people are having problems just like you? Learn to forgive. Christian, listen to me. We have to learn to forgive. That is what God has given us. That's what God did for us. Can't we do that for others? Letter number five, love your enemies. Oh man, Pastor, you're really hitting it on all cylinders today, aren't you? Luke 6, 27, but I say unto you, which here, love your enemies, enemies, do good to them which hate you. You all had, you all seen Jeff, Jeff Ferguson up here preaching at the youth rally, right? It was a blessing to some of you, I'm sure. Jeff Ferguson tells in his testimony of a man who had done him wrong as a young boy. He had molested him. In all of his heart, he wanted to hate him. He wanted nothing to do with him. God convicted him because of this verse. He says, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. He told he called him up one day and said, I forgive you. Now you say, how do you do that? Because the love of God is in your heart. It's pushing you to be the person you need to be. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying condoning sin, but what I am saying is forgive where you can forgive. Love where you can love. And listen, Christian, as you get to that point, you're going to find yourself more at peace than if you had that hatred and anger and bitterness in your heart towards them. The last thing that we find here that I want to encourage you to do, learn to endure hardships. The Bible says uh, that the good soldier endureth hardships. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, it says, uh, about charity, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Sometimes we just have to forbear and endure. Say, Pastor, that sounds so weak, need, and sissified. What is your what is your idea? What I'm saying is, is that we have our reward. We know that when someday we stand before God, God will bless us with heaven. We've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The people around us don't have that. You're ahead of the game. Give people a reason to trust Christ. Give people a reason to say, look. I know I'm not what I should be. I know that I'm a sinner, but I want to love this person. I want to encourage him to live for Christ. Listen, Christian, today, if that's you, that's something you need to take care of. Maybe you've had bitterness in your heart towards an individual or individuals. Maybe you struggle with a hatred or anger or bitterness towards someone. Listen, today is the day to say, God, please put your love in my heart. God, change my spirit. Help me not to be the person that I want to be, but what you want me to be. Listen, if we do this, we'll be a different church. We'll reach more for Christ. We'll see people uh, have a different response to our attitude. Don't forget, those that are saved here today, people are watching. They're watching you. They're seeing how you react. They see what your spirit is. And listen, if you have an unsaved spouse in here today, listen to me. There is no better way to be a testimony than what I'm talking about right here. That love is important. Don't forget it. All right, let's stand together. Chloe's going to come. She's going to give a short, she's going to play a short invitational. If God spoke to your heart, you come. Come down the altar and make a decision.
maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you one more time. You don't even have to come and make a decision. You just come talk to me. Maybe you're seeking. You're saying, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Please help me. I'll be willing to sit down with the Bible. If you're a young lady in here, we'll have a, young la a lady come and deal with you. Please, don't put it off. Today may, tomorrow may be too late. Heavenly Father, please be with this invitation. May your power be upon, Lord, your word that was preached today. Lord, may we have the spirit of Christ and not the spirit of Antichrist. May we love others to the point where we want to see them saved and, and Lord, worked with. In Jesus' name. If God spoke to your heart, please come. Thank you.